0: Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast, front page. On Front Page with me this morning, Yiswari Palansami, Senior Correspondent at the Malay Mail and Azam Wan Hashim from Ideas. Good morning, folks. Good, Good morning, morning, Jasmine. Good morning. Now, you know, there's a lot happening over at PKR and now there's talk of a parallel Congress, but there will only be one official National Congress for PKR, says Party Advisory Council Chairman Datosri, Dr. Wan Aziza. You know, this is um, pretty sad that there's obviously this this huge conflict within, uh, compare, you know, this to the days when BN was in power, when issues were kept kind of internal and private. Do you feel that it's better to be transparent and air your dirty laundry in public or to handle everything internally without public knowledge? You sorry? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure where this
1: idea of a parallel Congress came from because, I mean, to be very blunt, it's going to look very silly if they ever do it. Because they've been going around saying all's fine in the in the PKR mm. house and, and whatnot, which is obviously not the case. Well, when it comes to airing your dirty laundry, you see, when you're a political party, you tend to to have your issues and disagreements and what not well um compared to bn's time they always picture a united front yes okay well but uh, when it comes to political reputation and public reputation that's that's a different case altogether but with uh, with pkr although it looks you know it's a healthy democratic practice for people to say what they want end of the day it it makes people feel insecure when mm-hmm. they think about, look, we voted for these people because they showed us they are better and they are united in all things mm-hmm. and then here you have people coming out and making all sorts of opinions and public infighting and factional wars and and just to remind you, this has been happening even before. You know, since right. before and they never really sorted anything and now it's festering and it's and it's bad. Mm-hmm. So um like like I said, when it's healthy to have differences, but what's uh, fallen on PKR is more of a factional war that's gotten very ugly. Right. So it's not going to
0: bode well on them. Okay, point. your thoughts, Azam.
2: Well, I mean, uh, I I kind of personally feel bad for uh, Anwar here because I feel <laughs> like he's straddled between the line. You know, on the other side, like you said, you know, they they kind of want to practice this idea of an open democracy, anyone can say whatever they like, but at the same time. This is quite detrimental to the party image And, you know, this is supposed to be The the future Prime Minister And yeah. mm-hmm. all this insecurity You know, like this can affect Investors the, the Investors, yeah. exactly the, mm-hmm. the, the the economic landscape
0: Right, so as, um, as regular folk Would you prefer that they kept this internal And not, you know, out there for everyone to have a well, gawk at? They, they can
1: talk about issues Even the issues they have internally I mean, it shows that Hey, they, they do have disagreements. Or okay, you know, mm. usually it comes over policy matters and whatnot, which is okay and it's good. But end of the day, you are the government, and mm-hmm. you need to take a stand when you're in parliament. You see, like like Azam pointed out. I mean, recently, I think two days ago, there was a report about uh, increased outflow. Foreigners are taking oh, yeah. their money yeah. out from uh, yes, you know, yes. from our country. So it's it's happening because investors are spooked.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, political insecurity yeah. definitely leads yeah. to economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's understandable that they want to keep this. Open thing yeah. going mm-hmm. on, but mm-hmm. they definitely need to figure something. I think something there should out. be a
1: line la, where they right. say, "Hey, okay, I think this is enough. Now, I think we we need to sit and, and let's meet. sort these yes. differences out." So, All yeah.
0: right. Well, coming up, um, Muhyiddin Yasin says the third JB Singapore Bridge uh, will maybe be had only after congestion research. Uh, we're gonna take a l- we're gonna take a look at that next. On front page with me this morning from ideas, Azamwan Hashim, and from the Malay Mail, Yiswari Palansami. And the much talked about third bridge linking Malaysia to Singapore will likely be decided only after a comprehensive research is carried out. Uh, research which would cost up to 5 million ringgit, which I feel is a lot for just research. Um, it's easy for us to see the congestion with our plain eyes, right? And uh, we experience it daily ourselves if we live, you know, and commute to Singapore and JB. So why do we feel? Why do we need to pay this large sum?
1: Actually, if you if you look
0: at it, five million is not really a huge
1: sum, Charles, because the um, the bridge issue connecting Johor and Singapore has actually been um, it's actually been ongoing for years. Right. From Johor, okay, every right. other day we hear this, you know. So but it's uh, a study.
0: Well, did you really it, pay that much for
1: a study? Would you rather have uh, bad city planning, which would cost a lot more money? You know, mm. five million to study uh, congestion. It may look like, hey, we are just seeing it in front of our eyes. We know how bad it is, but that's really not how it looks like. Because you know, when you're going to study things like that you would also take into concern if there's going to be a possibility of land reclamation for you to connect the bridge. Then what would that cost? And then you have to do the environmental impact assessment, and then you have to do, you know, uh, what are the impact going to be on traffic, uh, on road users? Actually, there is definitely going to be a lot of experts who are going to be called in to give their expert opinions and there's going to be a lot of research and whatnot. So, 5 million is actually not that big of a sum compared to the amount of money you're going to waste if you have very bad city planning. Mm. And sorry to say, but Malaysia, yeah. our city planning, our town and city planning yeah. is quite bad.
2: I, I I think that's a good point, that the, uh, there needs to be a, a proper feasibility study yeah. uh, to ensure that the, the right infrastructure and the, the right things are in place. But... I I just want to talk about another thing here. I mean, uh, five million—whether that's a lot or a little—we uh, we don't even know. Usually, research on this stuff is in the millions figures. Yeah. But whether five million is expensive or not, we don't really know because mm-hmm. we don't know like who who's actually uh, you know bidding for this research process. It should be an open process, sure. right? But the 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 thing here is that it's not really that transparent. Like we don't really know what's going on behind this. 5 million ringgit valuation of the research itself. Um, although uh, robust research is really necessary for this type of important infrastructure project. Uh, so this process is crucial. But is is this really uh, a competitive thing or is someone's friend getting the contract? Right. On another note, I really hope that uh, this research is made public because I've looked into these huge infrastructure projects before. And a lot of the time, the economic feasibility study or the EIA isn't really made public. So we don't really know the details. So it's important that... It's also made it's public so, made so public, that everyone so that benefits. benefits. Right,
0: right. Very quickly, if the bridge is viable, as, the a bridge no. viable <laughs> as a Johorian, <laughs> worried, <no>. what <laughs> other methods <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> could other methods? Oh, well, <laughs> be like used a to a car car. Car. Well, <laughs> I would like <laughs> a flying car. I would like a flying car, I mean, the research <laughs> oh, yeah. is ongoing. I mean, the research is ongoing. Give me the flying car. I've got that ad. I've got that ad. We can get it. So maybe we can get it.
1: Make a memorandum of understanding so we can extend the services. I That's very innovative. That's very innovative.
2: That's no. That, no. 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 So we we'll
1: use use that. The
2: no. <laughs> yet, <the> <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. well, coming up next, okay, well, PM urges next, civil servants uh, to guide the, the poor, out of, the poor out, of out of poverty. That's next. On front page with me this morning from Malay Mail, Yiswari Palansami, from Ideas, Azamwan Hashim. And the PM has urged civil servants to guide the poor out of poverty. Tun Dr. Madhya Muhammad said Malaysia can only move forward and become a modern nation on par with countries like Japan, South Korea. China when the poor break free from poverty. Uh, Through what practical methods are civil servants expected to actually spread the word and encourage the poor to work harder? Actually, that's really not a
1: practical suggestion. (laughs) I'm not sure how that came about. Mm -hmm. But you see, civil servants themselves, some of them Are are struggling financially and Why do we have policymakers in place if it's the civil servants who have to do their job? Policy Policymakers are paid so much more of taxpayers' money. They are the ones who who should be sitting down and looking for solutions. And uh, another thing is to point to certain countries and saying we should emulate whatever they're doing is mm. also not a very feasible idea. You should look at the poverty rate in South Korea and Japan and whatnot. Sometimes I feel we compare it on a very superficial level. Right. We do mm. not actually see what are they facing. There's been a lot of reports about how people, you know, post-retirement, they're struggling in South Korea and Japan. Mm-hmm. And have we even looked at the suicide rates? Yes. The professional suicide rates? That's you know, an interesting among point. We have to compare... On equal platforms, yeah. and th- there's no one size fits all. You know, in yeah. some countries, they have um, their economic advantage is different. In our country, we have natural resources. We we are different. We should see how we can. Responsibly and sustainably capitalize on our mm-hmm. resources and our expertise, and not always compare to other countries when we exactly. really have not seen what are the depths of things happening in those countries. So. Okay, Azam, what are your thoughts here?
2: Okay, so let me just get down to uh, the the civil servant level, right? Um, I, I've actually gone down to certain areas where it's it's just government uh, offices and it's just civil servants, and these are like really rural areas of you know, rice farmers. And I've seen that, you know, the civil servants themselves aren't actually that privy to, you know, government policies. Like, some of them haven't even read what shared prosperity is. Uh, so the fact that uh, policymakers kind of expect the civil servants to emulate the policies from up top down to the bottom, to a certain extent, I think that it's fair. But at, at the same time, like you said, I don't think it's it's in the hands of civil servants no. to really tell people to work harder. I mean, that's a little bit... Um, Cheeky. (laughs) Um, But definitely, I think policy makers make decisions up top on on certain policies, and it's up to civil servants to actually execute these policies. So it's it's really important that civil servants play their role in communicating to the public of the appropriate policies. But at the same time, I think it's important to get the message right here, and I don't think that... Working harder is is a, a, the if, right message. If I
1: may add to what Azam said, civil servants, end of the day, they are voters themselves. So mm-hmm. if they want to communicate what they feel, they can vote. Yeah. Oh, you see? Right. Interesting comes the, the next G vote for who you feel has given you a proper platform or a clear direction as to where their party is going to take you mm-hmm. in terms of economic development and social well-being and whatnot. It's, yeah. it's a lot of talk, but it's not enough action going on right now. So, you know, the current government needs to relook that and not just say
0: you need to do this you need to do mm. that so all right well coming up uh, it looks like mca wants to attract younger members and also non chinese members we'll take a look at that one next And on front page uh, with me this morning, Yuswari Palansami from Malay Mail. Hi, everybody. And Azamwan Hashim from Ideas. Hello. Okay. And it looks like MCA wants to attract young members. They want to go into school, so um, they want to lower the minimum age of membership from 18 to 16 and also attract uh, non-Chinese members. Um, Is this a step in the right direction for the party's continuity? Your thoughts? Well, if you want me to be very blunt, it's not going to make any difference <laughs> because uh, currently PPBM
1: uh, of Bersatu they already practice that. You can join non-Malays can join as an affiliate member, and you have no voting rights and whatnot. Uh, PAS has that policy too. I feel like with regards to what MC is trying to do here, it's not going to make any difference because end of the day, if you look at what they're proposing, you become an affiliate member, not a full member and you mm. do not have voting rights. So that's literally reminding you you're still not Chinese and you're a second class citizen in our party, which really doesn't make any difference because the ideal is to open up your membership to non-Chinese. So they should actually... Get the same platform as all other members. If right. it's just going to be an affiliate member, then you'd rather just be a supporter of penyokong outside, la You don't okay. have to like, you know. All right. Join I,
2: I think you're definitely right. In, in 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 practical terms, it has no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think this is a new idea anyway. I think they wanted to implement this a while ago. But uh, in terms of the the image and the vision and and the fundamentals and principles of the the party, I think it's dependent on. Um, how MCA uh, views the the future of its party, you know, being open to to non-Chinese members. And I think this is definitely a play to attract the youth. So it's a survival tactic, I would say, you know. But at at the same time, I think it's definitely important uh, what does it mean uh, for MCA to say, "Look, we're open to non-Chinese uh, members now"? Uh, what does this say in terms of where they want to go in the future? Is it based on race, race race-based uh, uh, politics. politics? I mean, the party is is representative of a, a, a Chinese uh, community, so. It's interesting to see where they take mm-hmm. this forward or if it's just something small that okay. they're not going to do.
0: Well, you know, also uh, in that article, uh, they were saying something about going and into schools, you know, trying to do activities to kind of you know, get more... I guess youth involved. Learning about politics, I feel, is fine in school, but actually, ha- you know, having political parties coming into school to recruit potential members and conduct activities, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Uh, mm. What are your thoughts here? No,
1: I'm sorry. It's a dumb move <laughs> because right now our education system needs to be rehauled and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So that takes precedence yeah. over them wanting to go into schools. Mm. Yeah. They need to sort out their party issues first, <laughs> not go into schools and, you know, yeah. the kids. Kids are, you know, they're from previously they were already <laughs> a bit confused with the change of medium English to Malay, the maths and science and mm-hmm. whatnot. And we don't need this actually. This is very right. relevant. Well,
2: I mean, it's understandable. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're lowering the voting age, so it's important for uh, uh, kids now to learn about politics. But yeah. I don't think this is the right way for they parties can, to actually they can go make in it and part recruit. of the
1: syllabus where they teach about that's the right. systems that's and whatnot. Right. That mm-hmm. that's that's good enough. When yeah. they go to universities, they can get more involved in politics. Mm. All
0: right. Well, you do have a point there. Now coming up, uh, look. Looks like more than 11,000 people have been displaced by floods in Klantan and Trangano. We're going to take a look at that headline next. On front page with me, Azam Wan Hashim from Ideas and Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at Malay Mail. And uh, it's wet over on the east coast and the north of Malaysia. More than 11,000 people have been displaced by floods in Klantan, Trunganu, Kedah, and Perlis. And flood relief centers have been open. Food aid has been provided, but I feel, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is just tackling the issue when it occurs as opposed to preventing it. This boils back uh,
1: to the initial question which we were talking about earlier. It all boils down to city and town planning. Mm. Uh, you know, up in the north, uh, a lot. You know, the the, the areas are still uh, covered with forests and whatnot. A little bit more than what we have here, and then there's been also issues of deforestation going on a little bit there. Yes. So we need to look at all of that overall. So. Um, Uh, I did try asking someone from that state saying, uh, do you think uh, irrigation and drainage is good in in Kelantan? You know, is that a problem? Because even in KL, whenever there's like a a downpour for half an hour, 45 minutes or Mm. an hour, it's already flooding. So, you know, in Kelantan, it's quite bad. So when I asked, and he said, actually, it's not really about drainage and irrigation, it's so much about the unplanned development from before that has happened, and now right. it's taking a toll. So again, it all boils back to proper planning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your
2: uh, thoughts also? Well, I mean, if you look at this from a, a let's say a, a natural disaster point of view, you know, flooding is always kind of seen as a natural disaster. Yeah. Uh, usually, these kind of incidents, uh, flooding, I mean, uh, is is unplanned. It can't can't be planned for, but you can prepare for it. The difference here is that this flooding up in the north happens, I think, almost every Every single year, you know, and and there's always a lot of damage costs. And uh, the fact that they haven't properly addressed this, even though it's happened for Mm -hmm. so many years, uh, it's a little bit uh, shocking, to be honest. Uh, There there definitely needs to be some uh, new infrastructure to, to prevent this from happening because at this point you should expect it right. to happen
0: do you feel the 5 million uh, that um, could go into the bridge study can be put <laughs> into study on how to you know, mitigate this crisis no. every year
1: it, it's two different things actually right? the, we, mm. the, the traffic congestion issue is an entirely different one compared to this which do you feel has more precedence or is more important to you? actually the... both yeah? you know both one is seasonal mm-hmm. the other one is a daily, mm-hmm. thing. daily thing so you see when you look at it, it we are not even comparing it on the same platform but but, like Azam pointed out, it's very predictable. Mm. So, of course, we should have the shelters and whatnot, but why not do something more proactive and try to get to the root of the problem? At least minimize the damage. Because a lot of those who are affected are people who stay in villages and, you know, they have their poultry. It's their, it's their livelihood that's at yes. stake, you mm. see. And they've got to rebuild every year and only to have the same thing happen, happen to again. them. And then it's back to square one. So, when is this going to end? It's a vicious cycle.
2: I mean, the government could definitely put some money towards looking into this. But to be honest with you, it's happened so often that yeah. it doesn't require any government money mm. for people to look into this. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of research on what's been causing these floods and it seems like the answers are out there. It's just yeah. about action. And right. uh, What are we going to do, do about
1: it? It's like staring at you mm. so we can try and do something about it.
0: Now. Okay. Yeah. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
2: Absolutely. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, welcome. Of course, Yiswari uh, Palansami from the Malay Mail and Azamwan Hashim from Ideas.